welcome back to this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast, where Seattle business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders are invited on to share their stories with us. I'm your host, Christian Harris. As the owner of an indie real estate brokerage here in Seattle, I'm naturally interested in various communities around Seattle and what makes each of them so unique and distinct. And local businesses and organizations play a large part in shaping the flavor and character of the neighborhoods that we love so much. So join me as we talk with these fascinating people and explore their stories of why they started their businesses, run their nonprofits, or otherwise are making an impact in the Seattle area. All right, today I'm joined by Matt Wendland, the owner of Burian Press, and now the newly opened Moonshot Coffee in White Center. Thanks for joining me today, Matt. Appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on, the, on this podcast, you know, I like to kind of hear the, the story of business owners and, you know, what motivated them to get started, you know, what was challenging, where they're at now, you know, that sort of thing. Um, could you just take a couple minutes to tell us kind of, you know, what, uh, what your, your business businesses uh, are all about and, and what got you into, into making coffee? Yeah. So uh, sometimes I think, you know, I think that everyone at some point in their life, or, or at least most people that I've talked to, say like, oh, I love to own a coffee shop one day uh, or a cafe one day or, or something along those lines and I think somehow I just kind of accidentally figured out how to get that started mm-hmm. and then I was in the door so I realized I better figure this out and and do it right um, but uh, so but, but really where I where I got interested in coffee um, as an industry is I was doing, uh, I was writing and doing some small business consulting and naturally coffee shops for my office. Mm-hmm. And so I'd often find myself looking at the coffee shop and what was going on and analyzing it instead of actually okay. you know, doing whatever work I was in the coffee shop supposedly doing. Yeah. And, um, and so naturally I had a lot of opinions about how I could do it or how it should be done. Mm-hmm. And, all of these things untested and unfounded, and um, but this uh, this coffee shop in Birian, we had this opportunity. Um, where, well, we really saw that there was the potential for an opportunity there. It was already uh, this uh, community asset. Um, Birian Press was mm-hmm. this community asset. What I saw in in Birian when it first opened was that people really rallied around it, and they needed this place to find a purpose and identity and value. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there was a lot of great vision and some great business owners around Seattle supported um, the opening of this business. And um, so I was uh, a regular there for for years and my wife actually worked there. Uh, Catherine worked there when she was in college. Um, So she commuted uh, from Berrien to to UW um, and she was in the GIS program there and then she would um, she would take the bus back to Berrien and work at most days at like 4 o'clock mm-hmm. until close and uh, so she worked there for years until she moved into her, her industry um, uh, but there were a lot of things that happened and the business ended up um, slowing down and um, it looked like there was an opportunity to maybe prevent it from uh, closing mm-hmm. and so we kind of became very persistent in in creating that possibility, um, and so we got the opportunity in, in 2014. Uh, we took it over January 1st, and 
went in there and I remember the first day we were open, um, I felt like we did the most business that could possibly be done in a coffee shop in a day. And, and now looking back at like, we were, we were barely like, you know, there was like almost no one there, yeah. but it felt like outrageous, uh, how much business we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly just because we didn't know what we were doing. Sure. And so what, um, what we started doing was just, you know, we didn't really have any money uh, to you know hire a bunch of employees or um, bring in a, a consultant or an outside set of eyes. Right. And so we just uh, we had one employee, and he would work forty hours a week. Most days he would open, and then I would close the shop every night. And on the weekends, my wife and I would work open to close. Okay. And uh, we just. Um, started breaking it down uh, and and looking at um, what can we do to improve this and what can we do uh, what can we do to streamline this and how can we make things better and, yeah. and then really found that you know, there's this what I really discovered about coffee and what's really inspiring to me about coffee is the conclusion I've come to is that coffee is one of the only things at least the only thing I've I'm aware of that can completely change people's lives, um, anyone that comes in contact with it. And so we just like, I, I feel like that sounds crazy when I say it, but what we have is like anyone can come into a shop and buy a $3 Americano and that purchase can be an investment in providing livable wage jobs that are supporting families. We, we source uh, our vendors are all responsible employers. We use um, really um, fantastic um, dairies that have great farming practices. Mm-hmm. But then all the way down, um, you know, our roaster, Olympia Coffee Roasting Company, they source coffee and they, in, in a way that is literally changing people's lives um, from their the farming communities, and and so I just don't know of anything else that that you can go in and spend $3 and then that $3 together mm-hmm. with everyone else's $3 can completely change people's lives. Sure. For me, uh, really, I, I see our business as um, to, to make a positive impact on every person that comes in contact with it. Okay. So obviously you, you, you know, we're kind of using coffee shops as a, you know, workspace for, for your prior business and Catherine, uh, was working at Beering Press prior to you guys buying it, but what was kind of the big motivation for going from just taking those ideas uh, to actually taking the, the plunge to to buy and own, uh, you know, a, a coffee shop? What, what we really saw the opportunity was just, it was just like, it was something we had talked about for years, and we never saw a situation that was right, and and I'd actually been in the process of looking at purchasing a coffee shop in Tacoma, and Tacoma is a city I really love, but we we um, but where we really wanted to be was in Burien, mm-hmm. and and a friend of mine who also owns a coffee shop told me if you're going to do this, you need to be in it 100%. And to do that, you're going to need to be in a community that you love. Yeah. And so while I actually do love Tacoma, it's not where I'm spending my my day-to-day. Right. And and so I was very conflicted because there was a coffee shop I really loved at a community that had been developed there. Mm-hmm. And um, that was already open. 
And so I didn't want to have some kind of negative impact on what was already established there. Sure. Um, and really, like, even considering it really felt like something that was pretty... It just felt very arrogant to be thinking, like, oh, I'm going to go take this on and, and whatever. But not that long after it looked like there was going to be an opportunity for us to purchase it. And in a, in a lot of ways, it, it was, um, looking back, I walked into it not even knowing what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I knew that there was this unique thing that coffee did. What I, what, what I really love is this idea of community centers where people find identity mm-hmm. and find value. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. There's, you know, there's definitely a sense of community around coffee and, and you know, places we go for, for food and drink. and Absolutely. Um, um, what would you say is most eye-opening about, you know, uh, going from the, you know, I think things could be done differently or better to, okay, now I'm, now I'm in it and I've got to prove yeah. it or figure it out. You know? Yeah, so there's a, a number of, like, revelations I had right mm-hmm. away. <laughs> One was, how is it possible that we're doing the most business that could possibly be done in this place yeah. and it's not making enough money to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big question. So I quickly realized we need to increase the capacity of what we're doing. And, sure. and obviously we weren't doing the most business <laughs> so it's possible. Um, so really what we want to do is just create a space for people, a kind of, kind of a, I guess a clearing yeah. the people that is there for people to fill what, what they're passionate about. And, and we've, now we've got to be, we've been able to become part of this community that's just full of uh, really amazing, talented people that are up to, up to something. Yeah. And sometimes that's like, sometimes that's really fun and engaging and inspiring. And sometimes it's really hard because the reality is like, we could do something that's much quicker and we could do something that's more, more streamlined, but, mm-hmm. but it would be sterilizing and dehumanizing. And so it's tough because people are tough and it's messy because life is messy. People are messy. (laughs) And so in, in one sense, it's like, it feels like a slow, slower way to go about business. But in, uh, at the same time, I don't, I'm not interested in creating a conveyor belt for people to get their coffee. And and really, I mean, we could get like set up an iPad and you could touch the screen and we could stick it through a window and, and you would get your coffee. But I don't. You lose you know. the experience and the connection. Yeah. yeah, you know, I love I love coffee, but you know, a lot of coffee shop ownership is cleaning bathrooms and doing paperwork, and I don't need to clean bathrooms and paperwork if we're just trying to make a couple dollars. Mm-hmm. That's that's only inspiring to me. Like if we can creating good jobs sure. that, uh, and we're creating a, a space in a community and creating a place for people to go out and. And do all kinds of amazing things. Yeah. And there's just so much that goes into business and um, small business ownership. I think especially because there there's like you kind of have to take on doing a lot of random things. Mm-hmm. And so as I as we as Catherine and I got into business. Um, it really brought up a lot of questions in all of these different things. Like what kind of employer do I want to be? And I, you know, I want to be, I've always known what kind of employer I want to be. I want to be an employer that, you know, my employees like me and I'm nice to them and, and everything's great and everything's smooth, you know, (laughs) you know, that's the kind of employer I want. I've always wanted to be, but the reality of what that looks like to be a nice 
person or whatever that you know really means yeah. is pretty removed from that that idea is very removed from the reality of business mm -hmm. and so i remember asking people what what how do you you know what what's the kind of relationship you have with your employees and how do you interact with them and like what's appropriate and what's you know what's you know best practices or whatever and it really came down a lot of people said you know you're the one taking the risk you're the one sticking your neck out there and employees are gonna want to you know get whatever they can so you have to watch out for that and as you know I, our first employee is someone I went to like I've known since he was like a toddler and we just both happened to be here from Idaho and so I you know I'm like taking this advice from people and I'm like looking at this guy that's working with us and you know really working really hard you know and making a lot of sacrifices and that advice of like us versus them is not connecting with my view of like people and humanity yeah. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about this and like trying things out, you know, yeah. and testing out what works and what doesn't work with my old friend from Idaho. And, you know, thankfully he's still around and a great part of our community and team and was very gracious with me while I figured this out. Yeah. But what I really came to the conclusion of is like, is that it takes something from everyone for this to work. And Ian, in this case, was investing a lot of time and energy and you know emotion and putting things on the line mm -hmm. with us and I can't imagine um, you know doing that for like, like just I was in this case I was thinking like I can't imagine doing this for 10 years and then being done and having nothing to show for it and and maybe like a lost friendship or you know maybe a couple dollars more an hour mm -hmm. and and the more I've been in business the more I've seen that people are want to they want to work on something they believe in and and um, you know it's not very inspiring to be here's your paycheck and you know don't call me uh, you know outside of hours or you know you you got what you you earned mm -hmm. uh, and so I just what I've what's been really powerful for us is to is to look at you know our our staff as they're part of this this team and this community and they're building something yeah. and and what I've really come to uh, where I've really settled is a place of just being really inspired by them because you know I can be there you know as much as I can mm -hmm. but but they're the ones that are really defining you know the day in the day out in your experience like you mentioned like our staff is really friendly and you know things are really streamlined well you know, you probably didn't see me over there analyzing and and babysitting. Sure, it takes and, a lot of work to get to that place. Yeah, yeah but it really take, comes down to like our. We have a, a really amazing staff that has invested time and energy and emotions mm -hmm. and their talent into this. And so, you know, both in Burien Press and now recently we've embarked on a new project in White Center mm -hmm. called Moonshot Coffee. Um, both of these at the foundation, the idea is that we're a canvas or we're creating a space for people. And so we didn't name Moonshot Burian Press 2 or, or White Center Press or you know any of those things because what we want is to create a space for the community in White Center. Mm -hmm. 
and and so it, it's not about us really we are creating the space but it's about that community and the community defining um what it is and not us like imposing this idea of what's cool or sure. what they should like or who they should be right. on them right. so how how is has your role uh at beer and press uh and and now yeah moonshot how's that changed i mean are you behind the counter very much or are you mostly just kind of doing the the back the backroom stuff the books and that kind of thing yeah so it's it's changed a lot um going from being on bar every day when we started yeah. to really now it's Mostly what I do is I fill in, um, you know, and if we book, you know, rentals and stuff like that, yeah. I'll be on bar for those things and training. Okay. But, but primarily my, I see my, my role as making sure we're getting paperwork done, which is like a lot. Sure. And then we, and then, you know, doing scheduling finances and then just kind of, uh, I mean, I would say being an advocate for my staff, you yeah. know, stuff because stuff comes up yeah. and, and trying to be there to support them. Okay. What, what do you love most about what you do in your business? Well, I mean, what I love about doing this business is I think we get to, uh, I think we legitimately get to impact people's lives. And, you know, I, there's, there's customers that, um, that have come in and I, and our interactions with them were really rough. Uh, you know, they were struggling with something in the beginning and it's not like, we were able to like solve their problems or something like that. But there was a sense of like, we, we've seen customers that have come in and w- what I perceive, uh, what I see with them is that like just having this interaction with people and having a community that knows who they are and what they're up to and, and values them, mm-hmm. it really changes how they're interacting with the world. And so like that, that's inspiring to me just to get to see people impacted that way. But then, but also, you know, with my employees and getting to be an advocate for them. Mm-hmm. And then I think in a, like, go all the way to the opposite end of, of the supply line. And uh, we work with Olympia Coffee Roasting Company because, uh, one, we think their coffee is delicious and that they do a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that make up their company are just really wonderful people. They're um they're friendly and engaging and inspiring. Yeah. Uh, but they also stand for something. They also work really hard to to improve the industry and to improve the lives of people that are connected to it. Yeah. And uh, I think the most obvious example of that is is in um, in Burundi, in this country that you know sometimes it pops up on people's radars and sometimes it's not. But it's consistently one of the poorest countries in the world. It's you know one, two, or three a lot of times, mm-hmm. um, and, and the coffee industry there it was considered a pretty like pretty lowly position to be involved in coffee there, mm-hmm. and a lot of the coffee trees there were just growing people's yards and whatever, and people were grabbing coffee and trying to sell it, and and you know I I, I think it was. It was not something that people were going to brag about buying, and it was not going to score high enough by coffee standards to be considered specialty coffee by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so uh, there was a group that, that came into Burundi, um, and you know, for business, and and at some point they made the the choice to change how they were going to do business and start 
being, uh, you know, advocating for people and supporting people there. And, and uh, they started this project called the Long Miles Project. And this family, um, now, years later, I, I really believe has been at the foundation of literally changing communities there. Yeah. And, and so what that looks like is they started improving farming practices and supporting people and getting the resources they need and, and connecting with roasters that were willing to make a commitment to, an, to buy coffee from mm-hmm. an unknown um, if they could get the, the scores high enough. And so um, we saw Olympia, uh, around the same time we started working with Olympia, they had made this commitment to the Long Miles Project and the people in Burundi, and they would, they would purchase their coffee. Yeah. Um, and so the Long Miles Project has been you know, working for a number of years, and I believe, if I'm remembering right, the, the year before we were purchasing Long Miles, uh, Burundi coffee through the Long Miles Project, uh, farmers there were making $50 a year. Uh, so like, yeah. it's like hard to even imagine. Sure. Um, and if I remember right, uh, a few years later, um, the first year, the first harvest, coffee farmers were, were paid $500 on average for just that one harvest. Yeah. And so 10 times what they, used to, they were used to making in a year. Mm-hmm. And that just came through changing practices and and how they approached coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, in Burundi, another struggle that was really hurting coffee there is there's this defect called the uh, potato defect, or some, it's caused by this beetle that's mm-hmm. sometimes called like a potato bug or a potato beetle. It's not like what we know here in the states right. as a potato bug, right. but it's just basically what they think happens is this beetle bores a little hole in coffee cherry and what the result is is when you grind that coffee it has this overwhelming uh starchiness that really it smells a lot like potato but it dominates like if you were to grind a five pound bag of coffee and there was one bean in the bag of coffee with the potato defect it would it would ruin the five pounds it's 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 like completely uh overwhelming like the senses you can't taste anything but it and you can't and you can't smell anything but that potato coffee. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, I, I'm from Idaho, so you'd think that would be like <laughs> something I would like, but it's I it's niche. not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the farmers in Burundi took this on, and and what they they started employing more people to try to figure out where, you know, what was the kind of habitat that was like really causing these beetles or these bugs to um, thrive. And then they also took on sorting the coffee to make sure the potato, any beans they thought had the potato defect didn't make it through. And so, yeah, first year we had, uh, it happened a number of times. And then now I, th- I think we're in our fourth year buying from Burundi and it happens almost never. And, uh, but, but the result of them taking that on is now that there's, now there's, a number of people in these villages around these farms being employed to sort coffee cherries. So now they're changing their local economy. So it's not just the farmers making 10 times more. Now there's something like maybe 40 people in a village are now being employed or, you know, sure. I, these numbers are all based on different years, mm-hmm. but you, you see people are literally being 
their whole community is being changed. And so then a person might be able to purchase a goat and now they're not, you know, foraging or hunting things that we wouldn't traditionally think would be hunted. Yeah. And they're not, you know, tr- cutting things down uh, that, that, um, you know, that they need in their local environment. And they're, you know, they're milking goats or, you know, they're eating goats or, you know, they're using fertilizer from goats. <clears throat> and this has just completely changed how these people um, live their lives. Yeah. And it's not in a way of like a handout. It's not in a way of, of um, you know, coming in and saving someone. Um, it's these people have taken it on themselves and completely transformed their communities. And a person that comes into our shop and buys a $3 Americano is causing the matter of that. Yeah. So we, we can see that um, we, what I see is I mean, what's really inspiring to me what I love about this is that every day we make coffee and we welcome people in and we get to change people's lives mm-hmm. that, that could be from a conversation it could be providing a space for you to work on your business or your relationships or figure something out mm-hmm. uh, or it could be you know that we're using, you know, great farms and roasting, uh, roasting coffee roasting companies, and or literally changing communities across the world. Yeah. And I just don't know of anything else that can do that but coffee. Sure. Like Moonshot, we. What I really want to do is I want to host this community that's already there. Mm-hmm. They're, like, I'm not. We didn't decide to open a coffee shop in White Center because we wanted to like maybe we can like, make this a better place. Um, we. Uh, were approached with this opportunity to take take over this space and there already is a great there's amazing people there there's people that are up to things there and we want to be part of that um, and so we're not there to like change people we're there to be like supporting and empowering and doing whatever we can to be part of that community and yeah. it's like it's it's completely different than our community in Burien and um, my wife and I live halfway in between but it's like um we get to really be part of two communities. Uh, when you're going through, you know, kind of that period of burnout, and you know, what kind of got you through that, that, uh, that, that place? Well, first I had to, you know, like acknowledge that there was like I needed help, <laughs> and I think that was the biggest thing. Is like especially what we were talking about before in this like, this me versus them mentality. It's also I think in that if you're gonna participate in that. You also have to have some kind of like super strength that you're, you know, you're the one person that can make it work and the business would fail without you and sure. this whole story. And so like kind of trying to operate in that thing, that story that like I already know how somehow. Sure. That's a crushing wage and <laughs> Yeah, I already know like and ends with you, yeah. Yeah, that I know everything that's going on. I know the best way to do it. And I just happened, you know, I knew this from birth and sure. Uh I had to like reject that mindset, and I you know I never like fully embraced it. I always was very conflicted with that, and I think that's part of the problem was that I was so conflicted in all of those things that cause, because it 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 just didn't resonate with me, and so I you know I was asking people I really respected. There's we have this amazing community in Burien, and I I talked to like uh, a, f- a friend of mine who's a chiropractor. Um, 
and really well known in the community. His name's Aaron Aaron Collins, mm-hmm. and uh, just I just started asking him like you know, he was really inspiring to me as a leader in the community, and so just asking him these questions and and hearing from him about like you know suggestions and kind of um, and just like letting him like be someone that cares. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gave me a lot of great advice. And a, and a friend of mine, uh, I went to a, another friend of mine uh, named Gabriel Grant, and uh, he's been this person that I've seen really rally communities and, and, um, and empower people. And he suggested you know, doing these different courses and programs. And, and so I started taking these on. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, yeah. And one day I just had this experience where it just like clicked <laughs> and I realized like, wait, why am I doing this? Why am I doing it this way? Right. And it was, it was kind of a weird thing. It was just, but I realized like, oh yeah, I could, I have this whole like narrative and that I'm always thinking about mm-hmm. on something. And then I, oh, I have this other narrative. I'm always, you know, it's always running in my head and kind of taking on changing those things. And, and so in a way I actually think I kind of, got spared the burnout the classic mm-hmm. burnout or maybe i was just in like a like a slow smoldering uh, of you know burnout and smoldering burnout yeah it was just like it you know it was just on my way i feel really comfortable talking about you know like this like burnout or whatever because you know people in my the community around me were willing to invest in me to make make a difference and stand for something yeah. and so i think like why I think I'm really comfortable talking about it because because I think we all need to like we all need to accept that we have an impact mm-hmm. on each other and how we do business has an impact on our communities and how we uh, we how we talk to our how we talk to and about our employees has an impact yeah. um, on not just employees but you know their lives and how our customers see them and their communities and how their families are. And uh, I don't. I definitely don't have like all the answers and all of this, but I do know that what I stand for is being responsible for how I'm going to be about people, and I hope that our business reflects that. Sure. Yeah. And so you know, I I like I learned pretty early on that like it's not going to get me anywhere to worry about what they're doing, and all I can do is all we can do, uh, very impressive moonshot, is to kind of take on what we're going to do and try to do the best we can. Sure. And I think in our our coffee industry, um, I've seen this shift over the last few years where people are really in it um, with this idea of like the better each of us does, the better we can all do. Yeah, for sure. And so I've really, it's been amazing to be part of this like coffee community that people are supporting each other. Just like, just right here in West Seattle, there's Mm -hmm. a great coffee shop uh, called Sound and Fog. Uh, and I, I, the, I text with the owner like almost every day, you know, we'll be running things by each other. Uh, his name's Justin and we'll be like texting, you know, random things about like, it, and it's, it's silly. It's like, we're talking about like refrigerators and, and our pastries or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, it, it's kind of funny to think, be outside and analyze my like relationship with Justin or other other coffee shops in the city mm-hmm. but like for me it's like the the this is going to change you know how our industry functions and sure. and you know I don't think it's like someone's like <clears throat> someone's you know in Burien 
or let's say at the airport and they're thinking like, should I go to Berrien Press or should I go to Vif in uh, Fremont? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could go to both or they could go to one now and one later or, you know, like we're there sure. or by the airport. But someone's not going to necessarily be like, well, I'm going to drive from Fremont to Berrien when I could go to this amazing coffee shop Vif sure. in Fremont. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, what's the point of worrying? When instead we can like you know encourage and support it and empower each other and yeah. get to get to uh, value what and experience what we're doing each yeah. of us is doing um, and so I've seen the coffee industry shift this way and it's just like it's really refreshing and amazing to be to be part of this because we are changing you know because we're getting to become like better employers or better business owners or. Uh, people that are making a better product or we're, you know, taking on things and, and also just getting to make some delicious coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, I, um, and the thing that's really beautiful about coffee is like when you're experiencing it on a level of like other, you know, experiencing it more than just trying to get caffeinated, mm-hmm. there are these like amazing elements about it, these different expressions and how we make coffee is going to be different on this more subtle level than how Vif makes coffee or how uh, Sound and Fog makes coffee. and So as we wrap up uh, the interview, what if you know, our listeners are interested in you know, learning more about you know, Beer and Press or Moonshot Coffee or you know, contacting you, what's, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so we have you know, our websites and our social media. It's beeringandpress.com and moonshotcoffee.com. We're actually in the process of forming and trying to figure out how we do this. We're launching... Uh, more of like a umbrella company called Winland Company, okay. and um, so that that when when that's all 100, percent it'll be Winland Co., uh, which is W E N D L A N D C O, okay. and then it's like on social media or dot com, and um, and you know the other option is to come down to White Center or come over to Burien and and uh, come in and just say hi to us, and, yeah, and see a. Uh, See if all my rambling is like, you know, actually results in anything delicious and, and interesting. Well, uh, thank you very much, Matt, for your time. I do appreciate it. Uh, yeah. It's interesting hearing, hearing the backstory and uh, definitely be, uh, be down to get some, some delicious coffee in the near future. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you. All right. That wraps up this week's episode. Make sure to check out our guest website, pay them a visit, and otherwise support what they're doing. If you have questions, know someone who should be a guest here or has a story worth sharing, email me at christianharris at ctown.com. That's S-E-A hyphen town.com. I would also be honored if you could go to iTunes and leave us a review and a nice five-star rating. You can also find out more about me, how my real estate indie brokerage and our conventional approach can help you with your Seattle Eastside real estate needs and other projects I'm working on by visiting ctown.com. That's S-E-A hyphen town.com. Thanks for listening. Today's intro and outro music is courtesy of the Fascination Movement. You can find their albums in the iTunes store. The Seatown podcast creator and host is Christian Harris. You can listen to more episodes and find all our show notes on our website at seatownpodcast.com. That's S-E-A hyphen townpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a week for our next episode. This has been a Seatown Media Production.